Hi, I'm Bridget Murawski, and I'm the creative director of Baz Brothers Unlimited, a vintage wholesaler based in Fresno and Los Angeles, California. This is your bi-weekly dose of all things vintage. everyone, it's me, and I'm back with a new episode of My Best Vintage Life. I hope everybody's doing okay, staying sane, staying healthy. It's getting rough, but uh, I don't know. Things aren't getting better with COVID, so I guess I guess we just got to take it day by day at this point in time and be responsible as we can. I'm just going to do my little normal intro, and then we'll get right into today's episode. So um, as always, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, feel free to reach out to me admin admin at my best vintage life podcast.com you can also reach out to me there if you would like me to consider you for um, being interviewed on the episode i had someone reach out to me this week and i'm super excited about hosting her on the podcast so that's going to be awesome if you are looking for an opportunity like that please feel free to reach out that's admin admin at my best vintage life podcast.com Don't forget to follow the podcast on social media, Facebook, Pinterest, and Instagram website. You can sign up for emails there. You can shop there. I'm trying to be better about the blog posts. It's so hard. You know, I actually used to be a fashion blogger, and that's like one of the hardest things for me to do now. I used to do it when I was like teaching full time and writing for a fashion publication. I don't know where I had the energy. (laughs) I was also in my early 20s, so that might be why. That was like 10 years ago, Um, but I'm trying to be better about it because I know blog posts on a website, if you don't know this, actually really help with uh, search engine optimization. Basically, the more words you have on a website, the better because that's what... Um, you know, Google and other search engines, they're kind of crawling for those letters or not letters, words. So if you have a website, I highly suggest having some sort of blog on it because it is a great uh, driver for traffic. If none of those uh, methods of reaching out to me work for you, you can call or text to my Google voice number. It is uh, basically a fake phone number that pings my actual phone. Um, it is area code 559 559- Three six five six seven four three. That's five five nine three six five six seven four three. And as always, I always ask kindly if you have the time to either give me a star rating or more importantly, a review either on the Apple Podcast app or on Podchaser. That would be awesome. Podchaser is actually a really great website for you to discover new podcasts. You can make a podcast like favorites list. There's, it's a really, really, it's like all about podcasting basically, and there's different categories. Um, but the most important thing is it's available for everybody on all platforms to review a podcast. So it gives people with a droid an opportunity to review me. You can review me from your desktop. You don't have to do it from your cell phone. So um, I think it's just a really great resource. So if you have the time which I feel like people have a little bit more time now than usual, and you can take a minute or two to give me a review, I would really appreciate it because what that does is it bumps me up and makes me more visible. So if somebody's listening to a fashion podcast, uh, for example, Apple Podcasts, they're going to recommend 
podcasts to you that are similar and you get picked for those recommendations based off of what type of ratings and reviews you have. So it just makes you more visible. Believe me, I hate an algorithm. I don't like it either, but got to work with it. So the best way I can do so is by getting ratings and reviews from you guys. And obviously, if you're not happy with the podcast and you don't want to give me a rating or review, I get it. But if you've been happy and you feel like I've been providing you with quality entertainment, it would be really, really awesome if you could take the time to do that. And right now, my obsession at the moment, something that I've been practicing is uh, this thing I found on Instagram. I believe the woman's name is Mel, Mel Robbins. She's kind of like a life coach, motivational person. Um, but she does this thing called a brain dump. And it's not anything new. I don't think she made it up. But basically, you're taking everything that's on your mind, whether it's to-dos, anxiety, worries, whatever, you're putting it on a piece of paper. I say a piece of paper because I did that download like a note-taking app for it, and I feel like I don't look at the note. Um, app as much as I do the piece of paper. And it's really just a good way to get all of your crap (laughs) in writing. And I do feel like there's a better connection when you write it down as well to your brain. Um, But when you have all of it in front of you, you can really prioritize and say, okay, like, yeah, I've been putting this thing off for like a few weeks, but is it really life-changing or super important? Not really. So maybe I'll make it a goal to get it done next week, but I don't need to do it today. That sort of thing. Um, I did one like two weekends ago because I was just feeling super stressed. And you wouldn't believe I got like six little things done within like the two hours that I did the brain dump. So um, if you're like me and you like lists, but you tend to be a little bit more high anxiety, high stress, it's a really, really great practice. So all you need is a piece of scratch paper, a notebook, bullet journal, whatever, and a pen and just get to work and really kind of lay your brain out, give yourself that visual map, and then you can take it from there. And I think it'll make a big difference in your day and in your stress level. Okay. So a lot of podcasters actually don't even podcast over the summer. I feel like maybe more are this year because of COVID. Um, I don't really take up much of a podcasting break. I feel like I want to keep providing you guys with entertainment. And I know I kind of get bummed when some of my favorite podcasts go on like vacation mode. So I think what I've been trying to do, especially since like the end of May, is just kind of keep the episodes more on the light side um, and not anything, you know, kind of like when you're at the beach, you don't want to be reading like a super, well, I don't know, maybe some people do, I don't, uh, like reading a super heavy sad book you want to like read a beach read so I'm this is like my beach read episodes um, the last few I've done just very light and fun to listen to and just kind of you know make you laugh at least I try I'm trying to make you guys laugh I hope you think I'm funny art thinks I'm funny I don't know I don't really try to be funny but maybe that's the key (laughs) all right I'm pulling Instagram up because on Instagram I asked this is going to be a listener participation episode because uh, I haven't done one in a long time, and I really enjoy hearing from you guys. And I got a lot of responses, so I figured, why not share them? Uh, so what I said uh, on my post was, tell me about your vintage projects during quarantine. So I want to hear what, what have you guys been doing. I think I gave you guys suggestions on what you could do, but I didn't really hear the outcome. Um, so I am waiting for the comments to load. Okay. <clears throat> I'm just going to go in order from the top. I have Lucille Golden Vintage. She said, and she uh, sent me, I think she tagged me in the picture of what she did. She tie-dyed a 90s Ralph Lauren linen suit. 
and she did it in a really really pretty um orange color so I was really excited to see how it turned out and it's so funny because you know you think about these like 90s prep brands and whoever thought we'd be like tie-dyeing them you know it's just I don't think at that point in time in um in history, we thought we would be, you know, have such like a strong secondhand market and how things are changing now. So I'm so happy to hear of somebody doing something like that. And I highly recommend, you know, if you want to give something new life and it's like a little blah for you and you need like some oomph, dye is a really great way to do it. So Lucille Golden Vintage, great job. Thank you for taking the time to give clothing new life. And I, I think I told her the suit looked really good on her. I personally think she should keep it, but that's just my opinion. Okay, moving on. We have debutante clothing. All right. She said, I slightly remodeled my shop. Been sourcing 90s, time to embrace. So that's awesome. You know, this kind of downtime some of us have had really gives you, I think, time to kind of like clean house as well. I don't necessarily mean like you're like knocking through walls, but you might take time to clean up your online store or clean up your inventory. So that's awesome. And um, when she said about the 90s, I said, well, would you not normally source 90s? I figure that's kind of what she meant by time to embrace And she said, uh, no, it doesn't fit her aesthetic and space, didn't fit her aesthetic and space, but she loves some of the styles from the 90s, and she's starting a new brand for 90s contemporary. And I told her that at first I didn't really like the 90s stuff either, but now I really love it. It's become a huge part of what we do and a huge part, like the market demand for 90s is really overwhelming. I mean, at this point in time, I don't feel like we have any kind of market demand for other decades you know early 2000s 90s some 80s but like 50s 60s 70s we don't have a strong of a demand there so um 90s has really become an important part of what I do and I'm sure an important part of what most of you do as well and um she said that she likes oversized shirts and the minimalism hip-hop and street fashion um kind of opposites but I think my eye just works that way so yeah I mean I I agree with her there's there's so many facets of 90s um clothing and 90s trends and 90s fashion that I feel like you could really it's hard to say you hate it because I feel like there's something for everyone and something for every person something that everybody's been inspired by um you know somebody might like she said hip-hop street fashion that might be their thing Whereas you might have a girl who, you know, bases her wardrobe off of Cher Horowitz from from Clueless. You know, there's just so many different directions you could go within the 90s realm. And I think if you're like me, um, I'll be 32 next week. Ah, My birthday's coming up. I'm so excited. Um, It's going to be a weird one this year, but it's fine. I'm I'm happy for the the new year. so I, I mean, I was born in the late 80s. And I feel like for me, though, I think what really kind of made me learn to love the 90s clothing is it's so nostalgic for me um, to see people dressed, you know, in things that I wore in the late 90s or things that my brother wore in the early 90s and the late 90s and things that my parents wore. So it's, um, I don't know, some sort of strange comfort, I guess. And um 
you know, there's some people out there that when it comes to vintage, they get kind of uh, pissy, <laughs> for lack of a better word. When, it, uh, you know, you tell them, oh, this is vintage and say, oh, I wore that when I was a kid. How is that vintage? Well, I mean, I'm I'm in my 30s and things that I wore like considered vintage now, you know, these were women in their like 50s and 60s saying that. So it's I, I mean, for me, I don't really take it offensively I think it's awesome um and it really like I said it kind of elicits this this feeling of nostalgia and warmth and I think it also reminds me a lot of my mom too in a time in my life where I had her in my life and um things just like pre 9-11 almost like things were just so different and things just felt so much safer and less volatile at least from the eyes of a child of the 90s I don't know I just when I think about it it feels like um like a warm cocoon, you know what I mean? And I think for me, that's one of the main reasons why I love the clothing because you get that energy from it. At least I do. All right, Brian Sheridan, a male listener. Woohoo! I'm so excited. <laughs> Brian said he added some vintage fedoras to his hat collection. And as I'm looking at his picture, I believe he has one on in his picture. So that is awesome for him. Thank you, Brian, for sharing that. I hope. Um, they have brought you happiness. I think hats are a really great way to accessorize. I know there's a lot of people out there who say, oh, I'm not a hat person or they don't look good on me. But I think it's possible to find a hat. You just have to find the right shape, the right silhouette. I've tried a few different hat styles where it's like, oh my God, what am I thinking? But then there's some that I really love on me. Um, being in a part of California where it's very hot and even in the wintertime, it's not that cold. I don't really wear hats that much here. I wear like sun hats in the summer, very lightweight, um, and then beanies in the winter, but I definitely don't wear hats as much as I did in Pennsylvania. Like in Pennsylvania, I wore hats year round all the time. Like they were a major, um, part of my wardrobe. So just not as much here, but I think, um, if you're like just dabbling into vintage for the first time, hats are a really, really good way to go. So that's awesome, Brian. Thank you for sharing. Okay. Miss Master's Closet. All right, here we go. She gave me some good ones. And I'm saying I'm saying their business name instead of their personal name because I want you guys to check out their stuff on Instagram if you have it. So Miss Master's Closet. Too many uh, projects to mention here. I started tagging some of the more time-consumptive projects I worked on as Corona, hashtag Corona Creations. As a creative who has to work in many, uh, work in other fields to find financial support, so many projects end up on the back burner, which I understand. Over the past few months, I was finally able to bring them to the forefront, whether adhering to my initial thoughts and plans or changing them. So Jess is basically just saying, you know, she hasn't had as much time to finish like her little projects in the past and now now she's kind of worked on them and um whether they've morphed into something new or stuck with what she originally wanted to do with them she got them complete so that actually Jess she might need to uh she might need to brain dump that might be a good thing for her okay let's see oh my goodness my phone froze up Okay, she gave me another one. Okay, just for one example, I sourced a rather distressed 30s quilt, drafted a simplistic jacket pattern, 
Then after cutting, I did sashiko style stitching for all the torn areas. Not 100% on the final prototype outcome, but hopefully there'll be an improved version soon. So she made a quilt coat, um, which I (laughs) asked her if she could make one for me because I have an amazing quilt sitting in my office and um, it's just kind of collecting dust and I want it made into a coat. There is a girl that does it. I've seen her on Instagram, but she charges like almost $300 to make the coat even if I think it's like close to 300. Um, and I just, that's, that's a lot of money. I, I have a pretty good grasp on what sewing costs in terms of like, once you have a pattern, it's, it shouldn't cost that much money. No offense to her. That's awesome that she's doing that. And obviously very lucrative for her, but, um, I'm just looking for a little bit more budget friendly sewing cost. So awesome. Thank you so much. Miss master's closet. And then I have from Retro Girl. Okay, that's Retro, R-E-T-R-E-A-U-X, Retro Girl. Um, I had a basket of mending, buttons, zippers, hems that was overflowing. Happy to say I'm almost to the bottom. Okay, so that's those like, see, these are like the little projects that always kind of get to me because like they just build up over time. And if you don't kind of like chisel away at them, you know, it gets stressful. Like when you see it piling up for me, I get stressed. So that's awesome. And when you do all those little things, then you have new things to potentially either keep for yourself or sell. So just investing a small amount of your time to do some little bits of mending and um, now you have some a new a new way to sell and make some money unless you're keeping it for yourself which is which is just as nice so okay let me make sure I have some that are screenshot as well I think yeah that's good okay give me one second here ah where is it okay uh, Spanish on Terrace, which is um, a local Instagram name. Um, Terrace is a, um, a street in Fresno. All right. They responded to me. Um, and I love, oh God, I love this one. I'm actually just reading these for the first time. Washed my vintage handbags. Okay. If this is something you have the time to do and are able to do, you must do. Vintage handbags, I'm telling you right now, that is like one of the biggest sources of like pests People don't think about it, but they are, whether it's like hair in bags, uh, crumbs, candy, whatever, whether it's a vintage purse or a new purse, whatever it is, you really need to clean your purses. And most people don't. Um, So what I usually recommend people do is they, I have like a little hand vacuum with, um, you know, like the crevice attachment. I usually use that first and I clean it out. And if you do find any kind of pests in there, like carpet beetles, you can actually freeze the purse. And I have um, frozen leather bags. So right now, um, my fridge, well, right now my freezer isn't too bad, but every time I go to the grocery store, which hasn't been frequently, I do like this um, pre-apocalyptic type shopping where my cart is so full. So I haven't had as much room in my freezer as I normally do. But if you have like an um, extra freezer in your garage or something, this is a really great Um, practice so you just basically get as big of a ziploc bag as you can find after you clean the purse put it in the freezer for like two weeks and you can check on it every day if you want to but I've done this with leather I've done this with canvas nothing's ever been 
ruined um, and you just want to make sure you get the air out of the bag and, and seal it very firmly. But if you freeze the bag, that'll be a really great way to kill any uh, remaining pests in there. And, you know, don't be grossed out if you find something weird in your bag. I'm telling you, it happens to the best of us. It's very common to find in uh, purses that you purchase at a thrift store. Um yeah, it just, it is what it is. Purses are, realistically, uh, people don't take care of their purses the way they should. And like I said, you should be doing this, whether it's um, a new purse or a vintage purse. So she was able to wash hers. Um, and some bags are washable. I love washable bags. I wash my Ikea bags. I wash, like, if it's a canvas bag, I'll wash that. Be careful of bleed. I mean, obviously, um, if you're if there's like thread or some sort of piping or whatever on the bag that's colorful, you might want to be more cautious. Um, I wash. I have an L big LL Bean boat and tote bag that I've had for years. I wash that. Like if I take it on a picnic when I bring it home, I just wash it. It's canvas. I mean, they say not to wash it, but at the end of the day, it I, I just let it air dry overnight and it keeps it looking really really clean and not looking so gross. So all things to think about if you have any questions um, for me, like if you want to do that with one of your bags and you're not sure, send me a picture um, and I can give you my opinion. Certain things, it's just not worth taking the risk, but obviously if, if you need for like pests or whatever reason and you need to do it, then you need to do it um, because otherwise you're a risk like, you know, pests ruining other clothes in your in your wardrobe so definitely something to take seriously um so that's an awesome awesome thing to do spanish on terrace okay two more things um from spanish on terrace went through vintage tea collection and passed on to my kid well what a lucky kid (laughs) and i think that's really awesome um you know, I mean, that's like really, that's what, what I'm all about. And I think what a lot of you are all about is just that, that secondhand passing down of, of vintage. And even if you don't have vintage, if you can pass down your clothing and just give it extra life, that's really important right now. Um, so I think if your child is lucky enough that they can inherit those things from you, um, even better. I wouldn't, I mean, I honestly, the one thing I do recommend though, like, cause I'm very anti hoarding is when you are saving things for your child or your hypothetical child that you might not have had yet, you know, just be realistic and don't, don't hoard too much. Um, but you know, just enough. I feel like there are some people that just hold on to like a crazy amount of things. I remember there was a long time my mom was holding on to all my baby clothes and, she had them in our attic in these boxes and it was a time when we were strapped for cash and I said to my mom like what are you saving those for and she said well I want to save them for you so for when you have a baby you can dress the baby in these clothes and honestly at that time I was just, I just looked at her I was like I don't I really don't care <laughs> So there was a a baby like kids consignment shop that had just opened up in my hometown and we took them there and I think she ended up getting like $200 for them and we needed the money. So at the end of the day, um, I have plenty of access to vintage kids and baby clothes and you can find plenty at thrift stores too. So, you know, just that's just an example of like if you feel like you need to get rid of it or I think like I even told her you know, just save certain pieces, which I don't even think we did. But if there's like super special things, 
you know, but like if it's just super basic stuff, it's better to either pass on as hand-me-downs or you can do consignment with it or, or whatever. Um, and her last bit was, okay, I bought Deadstock Patio Furniture. Redid our patio. All right, so Deadstock Patio Furniture. If you guys follow me on Instagram, you know plenty about that. Um, we did our really cool find back in god that feels like 12 years ago <laughs> it was in november um we have plenty of dead stock patio furniture here our our thing was you know well we found it in the winter time and we knew nobody was really looking for patio furniture then so we were like oh yeah we'll we'll put off until spring and then COVID happens so we kind of missed the boat i feel like this year for it whatever it's not gonna go bad or anything we have plenty of it here um, but deadstock patio furniture, that's a really great way to keep keep the life going there because furniture, I mean, you, we talk about fast fashion. You want to talk about like fast furniture. Holy crap. There's some real, real garbage out there. <laughs> and I haven't gone into that. Um, but if you ever want an opinion on like a certain, I always have people ask me like, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? I'll be dead honest with you, you know, about furniture specifically. So if you can get dead stock furniture, not just patio furniture, but any kind, I would highly recommend it. Um, just from the stock that we have here at the warehouse, it's like a completely different ball game. So highly recommend if you can do that. Um, and if you're interested in any of the patio furniture we have here and you're a wholesaler, uh, let me know. We're in California. I wouldn't be able to ship it to anyone, but if you're able to drive to Fresno um, or live in Fresno and want to check it out, let me know. Uh, I think the prices that we have set for things are really good. And um, I think it's just another way to kind of help lower that demand for the uh, the fast furniture. I think that's a good name for it, fast furniture and fast fashion. Um, so yeah, that is all I have from the listener participation, I think. I don't think I missed any. Um, wow, that actually was a lot of time <laughs> rambling on. Um, so I wanted to talk just about two more things and then I think we'll, we'll call it a day here. Um, I am going to be doing an Instagram live video to talk about, um, something to prove the biography of Anne, Annie, as they called her, Annie Lowe. Um, she was an incredible dress designer, a black dress designer who, um, had to work incredibly hard to get where she did in life, not only because she was a woman, be because she was a woman of color. So uh, I really enjoyed learning about her. And I hope that at least some of you took the time to either buy the book or read it on Kindle. It's a super quick read. I personally don't think that the book was the best edit edited. Um, I think, you know, these days you gotta be really careful when you're like buying books because people are just printing anything. Um, everybody thinks they're an author. Now, I'm not saying the lady that wrote this book isn't a great author, isn't talented, but um, it's not a difficult read and it's a lot of pictures. So I highly recommend if even if you don't get it to reading it before um, I do the kind of discussion on it, um, you know, read it in your free time then because it's it's really important to keep her story alive. And I, I find it very inspiring Um and I just, I think she was such an amazing, talented person. And I think her story deserves to, I would love to see her story be turned into a movie. I think it would be so good. 
um, I would definitely want to see it because it's just, it's something that needs to be told. I did ask on Instagram if there's any other, because I want to start like this multicultural book discussion. And I asked on Instagram if there are any other cultures um, that you'd be interested in reading about, whether it's an ethnic group or, um, you know, a cultures, textiles, designers, whatever. I mean, w- whatever you guys think. Um, I saw a book on like, what was it? Macedonian textiles. I mean, it could be something super, super specific. I just want to hear if there are people, people in the world that you want to learn about in terms of their their fashion history, their textiles, their designers, whatever. I mean, it could be anything. I just want to keep that discussion going. I think um, as a fashion podcast, you know, it's kind of with today's climate and everything that's happened since the death of George Floyd. Um, for me, I was like, you know, what can I do to help? Even though I think it's maybe not super helpful, I think education is an important piece in stopping in stopping racism or helping to stop racism and educate more people. So this is my my podcast contribution. Obviously, it's not my personal contribution, but I feel like it's a way that we as me, I as your host and you as podcast listeners can. Um, learn more and and contribute more to that fight so yeah if you have any suggestions send them my way and um one other thing oh i wanted to talk to you guys about market demand um you know both people as vintage sellers people who are buying vintage me as a wholesaler um you really have to understand market demand and how that affects pricing so you know i've had some people we've we've kind of raised our prices here a little bit on certain items and we haven't really seen a lot of pushback or resistance but some people have kind of said well why is that why why do you feel the need to do that and you know it really comes down to understanding market demand um for specific vintage items it's not something that you know, Art and I seek out to do, um, but sometimes it's necessary just because things are becoming more scarce and more and more people want them. So unfortunately, that's when you have to raise your price. And I hope that um, for anyone out there who is selling vintage, I don't think you should be charging astronomical prices. I don't think that's right. But do keep in mind market demand when you're pricing your items. And it's really good to look at your competition or if you'd rather call them your peers and see what they're charging for things. Um, You know, art has kind of been helping some people that have been coming to the warehouse with their pricing, you know, like, oh, how could we sell a shirt if we if we buy for that much? How could we whatever? And then art will pull up you know, what other people are charging for things and their eyes are kind of just like, they're like a deer in headlights. Like, oh my God, I didn't know I could make that much money on this. So, and obviously it's really um, specific to your geographic area and what the socioeconomic status of people is there. Um, Everybody is in a different place. So that, it might not pertain to you as much as someone who's in an area where people have the money to spend. So just be mindful of market demand in your business the way that we are, um, you know, mindful of it with what we do. 
And uh, I think it's I think it'll help you be successful and um, have a better understanding of what people are really looking for and what what the value of it is. So, okay, guys, I think that that is all I have for this week. So I will be talking to you in two weeks. And in the meantime, please um, be kind, stay safe, stay sane, stay healthy, and don't be basic. Bye. (laughs) 